from Virginia Farm Bureau. This is Cattle Pulse. I'm Elijah Griles, and from Appalachia to the Eastern Shore, we're happy to have you join us on your monthly update on the Virginia feeder cattle markets, the national trends that affect them, and stories of cattle producers around the Commonwealth. Welcome to the August episode of Cattle Pulse. We've got a full show today. We're going to be talking about the National Ag Statistics Cattle Inventory Report that came out this past month, looking at how that's affected prices across the nation and here in Virginia. And we've got an interview with a Lexington area cattle producer and buyer talking about what she's looking for in your cattle. I want to just take a minute and touch in on some of the weather events we've been seeing around the state got the privilege to be up in Page County this past weekend at the Virginia Farm Bureau Young Farmers Expo and really saw um, some of the drought conditions that we're about to talk about. So the drought monitor for the state, 86% of the state is drought free. 10%, however, is abnormally dry and Page County is included in that. And that's primarily in the northern and far southwestern regions. And we're starting to see some of that dryness in the southeastern corner. And 4.25% is in moderate drought in both the northern and southwestern areas. So we're starting to see some of this drought develop. We had a really hot week um, a couple weeks ago, and that certainly contributed some more to that dryness. I do want to note that the NOAA Climate Prediction Center shows equal chances for temperatures. That means that we could see above average or below average temperatures in August. But the good news is that we see across the state slightly to likely above average precipitation for August. So that's some good news for the folks that are facing some dry weather. I know everybody's getting into second cutting of hay, so they certainly might welcome some dry conditions to cut that hay and get it baled. Um, but certainly for the folks who are raising feed across the state, um, want to see that rain to finish that corn growing season out well. Now we're going to talk about the National Feeder Cattle Futures contract and what we've seen there. So nationally speaking, the August contract is at $246.75 a hundredweight. This is down 0.41 percentage points from last month. The September contract is at $250.28 a hundredweight, which is down 0.4% from last month. And the October contract comes in at $251.93 a hundredweight, down 0.41% from last month. I wanted to share with you all some comments from Stephen R. Kuntz from the Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics at Colorado State. He noted that feeder cattle futures have pressured and broken short-term uptrends, and the strong price increase on August 1st suggests more continued price movement upwards. The deferred contracts are also in clear uptrends. 
He says, follow your technical signals, meaning looking at the market trends. These cattle markets clearly have the strength to move higher, but there are also signals of slowing momentum. So there's something to keep an eye on here as we think about the national market. Tighter production certainly is contributing to the strength that we're seeing, but strong demand continues to be driving this market. Let's talk about the National Ag Statistics Service cattle inventory numbers that came out in late July. As of July 1st, 2023, cattle inventories were at 95.9 million head, which is down 2.7% from last year. It is still above the previous low of 95.7 million head, which we saw in 2014. And total numbers of cows and heifers was down 2% to 38.8 million head, with beef cows being down to 29.4 million head, which is 2.6% less than last year, and importantly, the lowest on record. Calf crop is estimated at 33.8 million head, which is 1.9% lower and that is the lowest since 2014, and replacement heifers are down 2.4% at 4.05 million. Heifers on feed come in at 39.9% of cattle on feed, which is the highest number since 2002. This is a strong contraction continuing signal, and we're not seeing signs of expansion. Some comments from American Farm Bureau Federation economist Bernd Nelson. He noted that As the cattle inventory is continuing to decline, we see these beef cow slaughter numbers have begun to fall, but heifers placed on feed is remaining steady while the overall number of cattle on feed is falling. Improving pasture conditions and better prices for calves are likely responsible for that change. The elevated placements of heifers on feed indicates that the contraction phase of this cattle cycle may continue through 2024. Demand has remained strong both globally and domestically, and tightening cattle supplies combined with continued demand are bullish signs for cattle and beef prices through the remainder of 2023. Now, to talk about what are the buyers looking for, we interviewed Margaret Ann Smith from Lexington, Virginia. Let's switch over to that interview now. I'm Margaret Ann Smith. I'm sixth generation on my family's operation here in Lexington. Um, we run uh, kind of a multifaceted operation. So my family has a cow, calf, and stalker operation. And then my other half and I, we own and operate uh, Huffman Livestock and Southlex Cattle Company, which serves um, not quite order buyer, not quite dealer, not quite an auction market. Um, but we're kind of a combination of all of the above um, in the way our structure is. And then we also have a cattle feeding arm. So um, both grazing here in Virginia and in the Mid-Atlantic, and then also grazing and feeding and starting cattle in the Midwest. So that's kind of the broad overview of what we do. We uh, purchase cattle from about 28 livestock markets a week. Um, so Huffman being our buying entity and Southlex being our feeding entity is how we're structured. For the Virginia cow-calf producer or stalker backgrounder, how did they help position their cattle to be ready to go into those markets? I think the, you know, we, we always talk about vaccination protocols, right? Everybody making sure we are providing what the market wants. And the market can be, as I mentioned, varied, but it's also uh, figuring out the timing and making sure you're meeting those needs at the right time. 
and but the vaccinations is a big piece of it and, and making sure it's the right vaccinations um, and making sure it's a complete vaccination even if they're unweaned but if they're vaccinated it helps those cattle be more marketable um, it's also understanding what is changing in the industry and how quickly things have changed so you know uh, 10 15 years ago the goal was 30-day weaned today 30-day weaned is not a, is not acceptable we're at a 45 and preferably a 60 day weaned for most guys that are doing it. And a lot of it deals with the labor shortages we're all faced with. It is the uh, economic impact of a death loss or it's not only the mortality, but it's the morbidity that goes along with it. Um, the performance loss that comes when you have to start doctoring and vaccinating a lot of cattle um, on the other end, it has a huge impact. I mean, in, when you were everyone's tight margins on all aspects of the industry, you're looking for those things that are most efficient and uh, will lead you to more profitability, hopefully. Um, the markets are one component, like the, the actual markets, you know, the Chicago Board of Trade, all those things impact us. But there's so many other pieces that can drive profitability than just what the actual price received for the animal is. So I think it's easy to want to chase a gold standard. You just mentioned how quickly things change and being able to respond to those changes. Is there a framework of if someone's selling private treaty, you know, trying to sell an entire truckload, this is kind of their gold standard, or if they're going to the auction, or is that really going to come down to relationships? It's at the all end of the about day? relationships, 110% about relationships. Um, because everyone, any of us that are in the marketing side, have a different clientele, um, or you may have a different area of the country you're going to. So if you're going to the um, upper Midwest, totally different. Those cattle go in barns. Um, if you're going to the southern plains and you're going out there, you're in a very arid climate that has no humidity, so they want short-haired cattle. If you're going in a barn into, say, Iowa or Minnesota, that's totally different type of cattle to a degree. It also then depends on your end markets. So if you're in an area where you have grids and AMAs available to you, then that's a different type of cattle than you provide. If there's not that option, then that's a different type of cattle that go into that area. It's understanding what's available on the next step. Um, our English cross cattle that come out of this part of the country don't do well in the far southern plains in certain times of the year. Other times of the year, we're fine. Um, same thing when you take um, cattle out of the southern plains or you take cattle out of the, of the southern Carolinas or Georgia, when those cattle go, they don't do well taking them to Nebraska in February. So you kind of have to know those pieces. And then, but it's that final piece is, you know, if you're in a, um, going to finish those cattle with a feeder that does not have a grid, then that changes what type of cattle you can feed with that. So there'll be cattle that are sold on the cash market instead of a grid. So they're different than if they're a grid pro premium program, it's a different type of cattle you cater to that. So it's, it's kind of understanding the final piece before the packer um, and where those get catered. Throughout the summer in the state, we've been tracking the prices and um, June was a strong month for some of the markets that we look at. What kind of factors and influences are you seeing, especially as we look forward to the fall? This price point so we're at right now are, are good, right? They're very strong, very positive. But for uh, the backfilling of inventory is also extremely expensive right now. So people are going to be a little bit more selective. Um, you know, you're talking cattle that are at a 40% increase from when they refilled the, their inventory the first time. It starts making a difference. So I think we'll see probably some folks pull back on some numbers. Um, more risk management goes in place. But the other piece of it that's really interesting for us here, especially in the Mid-Atlantic and then anywhere in the Southeast, and everything I read and been told and sat through conversations on, we are in the driving seat. We have inventory, 
because we didn't have to go through the liquidation that everybody else has gone through. I mean, and by everybody else, I mean from the Mississippi West all the way to the Pacific Northwest, everyone has had been in liquidation state for the last two to three years or longer because of the drought situation. As far as pricing, which you'd asked, I think we have a very strong through the fall, um, probably f through maybe early spring. There is some belief, there is some heifer retention going on to what level and where. That remains to be seen. It'll take a little bit for that data to flesh itself out. But um, I think we also have to be very cognizant, too, that with the economy changing uh, and the global economy changing, um, especially some of our export markets, uh, some of the global tensions we have, what pushback does that put on our pricing? Um, do we get to a price that's higher than what the consumer is willing to do? I think that's going to be interesting, but I think it's also what our, we rely so much on the global export market. I mean, especially on those high-end cuts and the odd cuts, we, we, that's huge. I mean, it's close to 500 and some dollars a head in carcass value of, of the export market, what it puts to us. So we have to be very, very aware of that. So. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've enjoyed getting to sit down and talk with you and yep. appreciate you joining us. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Before we wrap up the show today, we're going to report on the local numbers. Abingdon Tri-State for those five weight steers, medium and large one, saw a July monthly average of $229.30 a hundredweight. This is up 2% month over month. Blackstone was at $236.60 a hundredweight, no change from the previous month. Lynchburg at $230.00 and 90 cents a hundredweight, down 3%, and Radiant at $243.1 a hundredweight, down 4%, Shenandoah Valley at $252.50 a hundredweight, up 3%, and Winchester at $237.21 a hundredweight, which is down 5%. The six market average across the state was $238.30, which is down 1% from last month. That's all the time together we have this month, folks. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you in September on Cattle Pulse. <laughs>